0: fucking ska they had a ska band
1: oh are we talking about ska bands because we are (laughs) gonna have to talk a lot about this next we're gonna have to talk a lot about 10 things i hate about you if we're talking about ska bands
0: both of these movies are really good bookmarks of different time periods of the 90s and it's it's funny how Ninety-five, like that era was like the introduction of ska, and then ten things hate all you dropped, and
1: (laughs) the day ska died.
0: Gwen Stefani just made the decision. I was going to do pop, and no one else picked up the ska mantle from there. The
1: day ska music died.
0: First,
1: i don't know i feel like clueless is gonna be the one that i i didn't like as much Ooh. or rather i liked it a lot but not for the reasons i think i was supposed to like it
0: that's interesting talk about that because from my perspective as someone who literally grew up with this movie
1: mm-hmm.
0: the reasons to like this movie from for like the like if you were like of the 90s and this being like a cultural moment when this movie dropped, aesthetically, comedically, like black dudes getting bald heads in like 95, 96, like it was a real, it was a real trend that only black dudes like, literally no one else liked. Why did you do this to your it head. Cause I'm keeping it real. Cause what? I'm keeping it. Cause Jeff, I'm keeping look, it real. Look what he's done to his head
1: believe this head all right it's the bomb you know what i'm saying you look good (laughs) as will you
0: the fashion of it like i said before now granted like the women of the movie like the hats and shit like women weren't really wearing those out but a lot of the other fashion of it was really of that time and was really kind of reminiscent of that
1: for those of you that aren't familiar with the works of jane austen i wrote a thesis on jane austen in college Clueless is based off of Jane Austen's Emma, which is a story about a girl who kind of takes in, well, she she loves to, to help and play matchmaker and get very involved in everybody's lives. And that's kind of her whole deal. And uh, she meets this girl. Her name is Harriet. She has a lot of potential. She tries to set her up with a guy. It doesn't work out. Then maybe it seems like she's going to kind of start dating the family friend. That's the only person who's ever told Emma, like, no. And Emma does not like that at all. Emma realizes that the person who, in the book, her name is Harriet. Harriet was into all along, was not as bad a guy as she thought. He kind of got his act together. So she kind of sends them off and she gets with the guy who's been kind of, you know, the family friend slash surrogate, like, big brother cousin for, you know, their whole lives. Great. Fine. Everything that Jane Austen has ever written is satirical of what it is talking about. Yeah which I think is something that is often lost in modern readings. Pride and Prejudice is deliberately poking fun at how ridiculous it is that women have to marry and also like what courtship rituals are. Yeah. And Emma is doing the same thing. And I think that one of the things that this movie did really well is modernizing that someone clearly took this script And went, okay, like these rich people, this upper echelon needs to be so over the top upper echelon that it's a little ridiculous. You know, it needs to be an elevation of an elevation. And this needs to land like that. And, you know, they clearly every single thing that they did. I thought it was really elegantly crafted in that regard.
0: Yeah. Even the idea of getting dressed via computer simulation. Mm -hmm. 95 like people did not have personal computers like that so yes it's it the modern right handmaiden yeah
1: now that said i have a couple like general issues one is that at one point i think they say that paul rudd is 20 <laughs> and share turns 16 during the course of the movie boy 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 and that's um a little yikes
0: oh big yikes so uh, and like even in the moment, especially
1: because it would violate california's consent law at the time
0: even in the moment that was literally i know at least for my for me and my friends obviously we were when clues came out i was nine years old so mm-hmm. even age differences in that kind of way did not necessarily compute uh it definitely computed watching this in my 30s i'll tell you that much so, yeah. So, Paul Red's character, he is a sophomore in college.
1: So, and, he's 19 or 20.
0: Yeah. And Cher is 16. 15 from 16. Yeah, she's 16. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that so, did not
0: age you well at all.
1: That's a that's a yikes-a-ru.
0: And I was going to say, the, and kind of the worst part about it is the entire movie, they don't say Cher's age until like the very moment that they're well, like, kissing.
1: There's a moment where she says like I want to be able to get my license as soon as I turn six or as soon as I'm able or like as soon as it's legally allowed implying that she's not 16 yet. Okay. And then at the end she's like I'm 16 we're not going to get married as if. And I'm like girl. <laughs> yeah. Girl. The other thing and this is like I don't want to say that this is a nitpick because it is not, but it's like, I had to explain this to a friend. And once I explained it to them, they were like, oh, but um, before Brittany Murphy, before Ty yeah, starts hanging out with Cher and Dion, she wears a lot more bronzer. <laughs> um, I didn't catch that. Um, I don't know. It changes from bronzer to blush. So the idea is that she goes from, like, it. it, also, by the way, her bronzer job looks like shit. I think that's probably deliberate. Like, it looks like it's it's real patchy. I think she's supposed to look kind of dirty. And then she turns into, like, a blushing beauty.
0: Yeah. But
1: regardless, like, that's a little tone deaf. I don't really know how to describe, especially because, like, there are a lot of strong black characters in the movie. Um... I just, it seemed very out of place. And I think that's why I flagged it. Mm.
0: I'm going to queue up the movie and just have it in the background to kind of see. But I've always sort of noticed that in the beginning before she gets the makeover, she's meant to look like disheveled. And so if the subtext is having darker skin (laughs) makes you look disheveled, then yeah, that's pretty problematic.
1: I don't oh, know if it's so. meant to be having darker skin or just literally looking like dirty slash patchy. Yeah. I could not get a read on that, but regardless, no, I, I was think still it's... a little like, uh
0: Yeah, I think it's more in the veins of just sort of dirty.
1: Like I said, every other choice in this movie seemed so deliberate and careful that this one just seemed a little almost out there. And I couldn't tell if I was reading it right or not. Um
0: She's meant to not look pretty, basically.
1: Right. She's meant to have, like, the good bones, right? Like, oh, this could be something.
0: Yeah. That's basically it.
1: Yeah. So I think as a retelling and simultaneous deconstruction of Jane Austen's Emma, this movie really works. I think as a romantic comedy, as someone who has no nostalgia for it as a romantic comedy, it did not really land for me as much as the other two.
0: So I was wondering that, like I said, I'm definitely someone who grew up with this movie. I don't know if I watched it in theaters. I'm actually I'm pretty sure I watched this in the movie theaters when it came out. Definitely always watching on reruns. And it's always been that kind of one thing. I guess when you're younger, looking up at like high school kids, like doing quote unquote adult shit. There was kind of like a fondness and attachment to it. Like Dion and, you know, her man, like those characters, definitely on tumblr like their gift set like would definitely like ring out and like get mad notes whatever Mm -hmm. and you know it's kind of one of those things where he has braces and like i said he had the baldy and she had like the micro braids and stuff so aesthetically if you have fondness for the 90s i think this movie really really does that extremely well it's a really good bookmark for what that time was so okay i don't want to be a traitor to my generation and all but I don't get
1: how guys dress today. I mean, come on. It looks like they just fell out of bed and put on some baggy pants to take their greasy hair, ew, and cover it up with a backwards cap. I'm like, we're expected to swoon? I don't think so. Well, I'm in a weird position because I recognize this is the aesthetic of Iggy Azalea's fancy.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Like, yes. in the
1: first scene, I was like, oh, did Iggy Azalea just, like, rip off Clueless?
0: Yes. We all knew th- it. Yes. We all knew I it. think
1: I think I, like, knew it, but I had never internalized it because I'd never seen the movie. So, like, I was like, oh, oh, she really, like, ripped off Clueless. Okay.
0: Yeah, she totally did.
1: She didn't just kind of rip off Clueless. So, I, I don't have any nostalgia for that because I also think that time had ended by the time I was born.
0: You were born in 97? Yep. Yeah, by ninety-seven we were trying to gear up for the new millennium. So yeah, yeah. it was
1: all like very, very low rise jeans and everything was woven and skinny people.
0: So I'm I'm looking at Ty going back to the original point you made. Mm-hmm. They definitely gave her the uh, the bags in the eyes, like they definitely gave her darker eyes above and below like her eyes. Mm-hmm. I think the rest of the face is just more naturalistic. But it's still implied though that she is a disheveled girl who needs who's in dire help.
1: Right. Her- I think it may be an attempt at a contour. Like at, at one point she turns and she just I was like oh. And then in the in like the party scene I think that it's a very similar shot where she turns and instead of that kind of patchy bronzer situation or maybe poorly applied found it, I really don't know. It's like blush she looks very like oh i didn't hear you come in instead of like sup fam also
0: keep in mind this time period they didn't know makeup application you know it it wasn't necessarily the best
1: listen i remember the sponge tip eyeshadow applicators i was there (laughs) Um,
0: hilarious you were in the trenches
1: so like i i do get it i just if we're going for making her like disheveled or tacky like give her blue eyeshadow. Give her something like a little, like a little, like oh, at least she made an effort, but the effort was wrong.
0: Blue eyeshadow. It was not a thing in the nineties. If this was like ninety eight or ninety nine, they would have had her in the platinum silver <laughs> eyeshadow. It would have been mega abrasive. Oh my god, I just had a flashback to this girl who I went to middle school with, and oh my god, like makeup in ninety nine was really all over the place man but that's but that's what it was coming to the new millennium but um so from your perspective how do you feel that this works as a romantic comedy do you think that the romance even you know the age thing is definitely has to stick out especially for someone who's looking at this post the era that it was in yeah how do you feel about even just the funniness, the romantic comedy, the romanticism, the comedy. There were and the there were a lot
1: of them. moments that I laughed, but a lot of them were kind of like weird, kind of like <laughs> there were some very smart moments, I thought. But most of those were because I knew about the Jane Austen and saw what they were alluding to. In terms of the romance, she realizes in the last 14 minutes of the movie. <laughs> and then it goes from her realizing to him realizing to them being together. Like it was after the what hour and 11 or so minutes of buildup we'd had, it felt very fast. I didn't hate it. It just seemed very fast. Um
0: did it seem fast mm. I think maybe being distracted by everything else in the movie and then kind of wrapping it up, I can kind of see that.
1: Like I, I like that she realized that all of her friends have like special and unique skills. And I like that she realized that her kind of skill was like organizing people. Like, I like that there were all these realizations that were happening. Yeah. It was a very high school way to realize the point of Emma. Yeah. And I kind of really dug that. I really struggled with this as anything else, but like a decent, but very dated adaptation of Emma.
0: So for your mindset, when you're kind of watching these sorts of movies, Mm -hmm. how do you kind of go into it? Because even we allude to this in the episode of the last episode to where even watching The Matrix in the moment versus watching it way later down the line, it's a different emotional connectivity. Mm -hmm. And for someone of like my generation, basically like I would say anyone like high school and between high school, middle school and elementary school during this time period, who are just kind of cognizant of it in it being like a pop culture like movie like i mean in a lot of ways it kind of feels like from your perspective it's not as necessarily as bad as 16 candles but no. at the same time
1: i i wasn't angry i did yeah. not leave this movie angry i did yeah. not leave this movie feeling violated
0: at the same time though it's like if you watch 16 candles in the moment and everyone kind of didn't acknowledge the shittiness of it mm-hmm. And then it became like a staple of that era. But then you apply it to 2021. It's like, right. whoa, no, it's fucking terrible. How I've would you got, kind of apply that to this with Clueless?
1: For romantic comedies and like generally like high school movies, I've got one really big criteria. And that is I if I get one really gooey, goofy smile when the couple gets together, then it gets a check mark. Got Everything it. else about it could be falling apart but I want to be rooting for the people to get together.
0: Okay. And this
1: this just didn't deliver that for me quite. I got the windup. I got what it was doing, but honestly I cared more about Cher's like personal journey than I did about her like finding a boyfriend journey, which is not a bad problem to have. But between that and like a lot of the scenes that were a little, uh, like what Elton driving her home, oh uh the mugger paul rudd's girlfriend i don't know what she is but the the girl in the car that he was trying to fuck uh the whole party scene itself was really uncomfortable really (laughs) all right let me lay a surprising fact on the entire audience i was never invited to a party in high school okay so maybe this is just what high school parties are like but i never went so i don't know
0: well what about the party i'm (laughs) <laughs> so what about the party scene made you uncomfortable though because i think because looking at this scene obviously the aftermath of elton trying to do what he does to share that's one yeah. thing but is it that part or is it just the party scene in particular that so you uncomfortable? S-
1: specifically i think it's just like the once this is gonna sound so bad but like once ty got hurt i was like oh okay this is what we're doing here but, but until gets- then I was like, what are we doing here? Especially because she's like, oh, let us take a turn about the room. Like, and I was like, okay, that's very Jane Austen of you, but like there are other ways we could do this. <laughs> I felt that it was kind of floundering to find its footing until Ty got hurt. Um, that's
0: damn that and I, like that scene is like the party scene is iconic. Like they're rolling with the homies, the <laughs>
1: Well, there. that happened after she got hurt. Well, okay, so I'm, I am like be that. Right, but, like, her complaining about her shoes when uh, Stoner Magoo uh, spilled on her shoes, that was a moment where I just went, like, oh, like, Cher kind of sucks. Yeah. Like, well- <laughs> but, like, in a way that, like, I cared about her personal redemption arc, but I didn't necessarily want to see her win.
0: There's nothing wrong with that,
1: yeah. And then she did win, and I was like, eh. I mean, but that's
0: the movie's called Clueless, though. That's I was the whole I thing. was
1: real grateful Wallace Shawn won, though. Like, get it, Wallace Shawn, get it in.
0: <laughs> I think that's the purpose of the movie, though. Like, that's kind of the the vapidness of what this sort of generation was, and particularly that sect of young California teenagers who were upper middle class. Like, that's kind of what it is.
1: So, I think they're like upper upper class, like they're.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, they are. That they're, house. They're wealthy. Yeah, The
1: modern art by the pool.
0: They're wealthy. Yeah.
1: But I will, I will also say I did love Christian walking around the pool, keeping the critique of all the art. I mean, it's, it's a good scene. Like, I know we're about to like cover one of the, one of the like queer kind of touchstone movies in a lot of ways, but like, I really liked that she was like bummed he was gay. Cause that meant he didn't like her But like, she didn't actually care.
0: (laughs) Yes, it could have went a lot of bad ways.
1: And I hope that friends who have chosen to come out to me in the past have felt this. My thought process is, thank you so much for telling me. I'm so proud of you. Anyway, do you want to chip or not? Like, I don't really (laughs) care. Yeah. And I kind of appreciated that she like took a little while to like mourn that it was never going to be between them. Yeah. But then she just, like, got on with it and was like, all right, so, like, do you want to go to the mall? And he was like, of course I want to go to the mall. Like, and that was just it.
0: And maybe that has to do with her being clueless as well. She's not judgmental of it, but not necessarily in a positive way. Maybe it's just a, a net neutral type of thing. When, like, obviously when Murray is identifying him as gay and he's throwing out all these, like, you know, stereotypical phrases or whatever... And I'm very happy he did not say the f-word. No! Actually, going all the way is like a really big decision. I can't believe I was so capricious about it. D, I almost had sex with him.
1: You almost had sex with who?
0: Christian.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what? Yo, look, are you bitches blind or something? Your man Christian is a cake boy. A He's what? He's a disco-dancing, Oscar Wilde-reading, and ticket-holding friend of Dorothy, know what I'm saying? no way he's gay even yes even he does like to shop share and the boy can dress oh my god i'm totally bugging um i was waiting for that i was really like oh well well
0: yeah the f4 was very common in the 90s so i'm not even sure about that but yeah so
1: by the way i didn't hate this movie i gave it a three on letterboxd i totally see what it was doing and i get what it was going for and like I see the vision. I liked a lot of the very clever illusion. I like that it did a lot of like work it didn't need to do, even in the way they they dress and change their styles between things to kind of allude to a lot of the meta text that existed in the original source material and also to just make it like a much more cohesive movie. Yeah. So like it was fine. I, I totally get that if you grew up with it, it's like iconic in that kind of way. Yeah. And I I totally see that but like the moments I liked in this movie were the moment when Cher was talking with her dad about how to get the boy to like her. And he was like, if he doesn't like you, he's an idiot. And I don't know that I want you going out with an idiot. Um, (laughs) Most of what I liked were those like little, little moments in there where he was like, who makes sure I eat right? Like you do. And I think it really, even when like she and Ty make up at the skate park where she's like, I jumped the gun. And she's like, no, I jumped the gun. And like, Let's never fight again because we're better together than we are apart.
0: It's funny that you say that those moments you liked, but maybe you felt like you probably shouldn't have liked. Those are the reasons this movie's is a classic in a lot of people's eyes. Like even in the scene when the stoner, he's donating his like shit to like the disaster relief and he donates a fucking disgusting looking bong and they don't know what to do with it. <laughs>
1: I also like it's great it's so I feel like it's a little bit weirdly progressive of them to acknowledge that like abusive pot might be like a 12-step programmable addiction I mean tell you it's because like I feel like a lot of people are like oh you can't get addicted to pot and like you for sure can you can get psychosomatically addicted it's super possible
0: (laughs) yes So so I like that
1: he's like I'm trying to make some positive changes in my life I feel like there's a lot of really good stuff in here I just didn't enjoy it as much as I probably would have, even if I'd seen it when I was a little bit younger. Because you really have to buy into it like right away. Yeah. Or it doesn't land as well.
0: Yeah. Oh, actually, before we even pivot. So obviously on Letterboxd, I'm there, um, OCD. So I make a lot of lists. I did make, well, before this episode, but I did make a top 25 teen list movie for myself. Mm -hmm. Do you think you can do that for yourself? Do you think you can put together 25 teen movies that you love? And this is a podcast medium, and Kat no. says, No way in no. hell. Can you do um, a top 10?
1: I could do a top 10, but I think that would cover most, like, Teen movies are a movie that like a genre of film that I always was like, oh, like I saw one. I was like, oh, that was better than I expected. But I never really seek them out.
0: The way I made my list, I made parameters because that's just me. So, for example, Boys in the Hood. I put Boys in the Hood on this list mostly because the main characters are teenage and
1: mm-hmm. there's a
0: coming age aspect of that. Now, there's very little romance. This is very, very little comedy. Mm-hmm. But it's it's still a teen movie nonetheless. So if we kind of open the parameters and kind of get you into making a list, I think dissecting that list will be really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for Clueless, actually all three of these movies have made this list. So Clueless for me is number eight on the list. Mm-hmm. But I'm a Cheerleader is 18. And 10 Things I Hate About You is number one. So these are movies that I've obviously have lived with for a long time. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, and that's maybe that's the best thing about teen movies because even if you catch it in a moment, it's great. And then you watch it years later and you're kind of transported back to that time. It's so great also. I think right about here is good. Hello, world. This is me, your favorite producer, Uncensored Mike, and I'd like to tell you guys about my new show, The Soapbox on Isla Pow. It has me, it has my friends, and it has your favorite people who you don't even know yet. Come listen to us and meet some new folks. That's it. When I'm a cheerleader, let's move it to that because I feel like that's definitely more of a underground kind of niche movie. Fremont power, Fremont price, be aggressive, drive, 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 go Fremont! Megan, we love you. Lately, we've become concerned about certain behaviors. You don't have any pictures of guys, just these.
1: You don't even like to kiss me.
0: It's It's true. true. Honey, we think you're a... Lesbian. I myself was once a gay. Now I'm an ex-gay, Megan. I work for a place called True Directions. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Who help people like yourself. I'm Sinead, I like pain.
1: I'm homosexual. I'm Graham, and I like girls a lot. I shouldn't even be here. You don't have any unnatural thoughts. I don't think it's unnatural. Mm -hmm.
0: I'm not perverted. I'm a cheerleader. Be aggressive, try, try, try. I'm a homosexual.
1: I'm a homosexual. It's came out it's Criterion.
0: It is? Wow. It
1: is. It's also widely considered the first straight up queer romantic comedy. A lot of the research I found said, or like articles I found really hammered But I'm a Cheerleader for being the first queer romantic comedy. That is like, obviously, there's some like screwed up stuff in it. Yeah. But it doesn't end with like some horrible tragedy. Yeah. You know, it's not a, a tragic romance. Like, my, I, I was gonna loved say. this
0: movie. <laughs> Why'd you love it?
1: A lot of the same things that I think I really liked about Clueless, how deliberate everything felt. I thought this story was a lot funnier. I thought it, well, not a lot funnier, but like a lot more consistent. I thought it aged very well. I thought it was very well paced. I love just things like the queer couple, like the gay couple who ends up becoming her kind of surrogate parents and how they talk versus her parents is such a weird and big dichotomy. I love the way <laughs> she rubbernecks whenever her boyfriend tries to kiss her. Like there are so many subtle little, and there's a lot of not subtle but like there are a lot of little subtle moments that ground all that not subtlety. Yeah. I also think that this and 10 things I hate about you both like captured a lot of teenagerhood very well. Yeah. Like those feelings of like I never told this girl that I liked her but I'm upset that she's kissing somebody else and like I don't know why I'm upset because this is, I don't own her and but like ah like <laughs> you know those kind of weird like emotional soups that happen when you're a teenager? Yeah. I think we're really well captured in this movie. You know, the idea of like, I can't be a lesbian, I'm a cheerleader, even. (laughs) In Clueless, the things that Cher enjoys, like styling herself and other people, are framed as shallow throughout. And like, yeah, Paul Rudd learns to love her in spite of the fact that she's shallow, which I kind of don't like because she's... She does dress multiple other people. It's clear she's got a style sense. You could choose to see it as shallow or you could choose to see it as just like artistic, but everybody chooses to see it as shallow because it's the 90s and she's a woman. Great. But I'm a cheerleader has the same thing with like, I'm really only myself when I cheer. And at no point is that like shat on. Yeah. No one's like, well, what are you going to do after you graduate? Everyone's like, I would like to see you cheer sometime. I would like to see you do what means the most to you in the whole world sometime yeah obviously that's a little like movie-y and I get that but like that's a movie-y world I would like to live in
0: I don't know I would disagree with that I think that's legitimate like I think if you're falling in love with someone you want to see them at what they think their best is and so chilling for her like that that's what her passion is so so no I think it's it's pretty good Graham One, two, three, four, I won't take no anymore. Five, six, seven, eight, I want you to be my mate. One, two, three, four, you're the one that I adore. Five, six, seven, eight, don't run from me, because this is fate. When I watched this movie, probably 2000, honestly, but it was definitely one of those staples that you can catch it on one of the Cinemax channels. Uh, not during Skinner Max hours you can actually watch it during like regular you know times or whatever obviously I'm alluding to like the nostalgia of this era but I do think that cable television back then at least it was really good about bringing these sorts of independent kind of or quasi-independent mm-hmm. seeming movies to the surface and you just kind of naturally like gravitating toward it and a lot of the things that you kind of mentioned that you loved about this movie i love too like i just think that the aspects of teenagery uncertainty questioning yourself love sex all that like and then to capture the feeling of that really really well and how it's really never just a, a straight well <laughs> no pun intended it's never a straight line from point mm-hmm. a to point b it's always some messiness and there's always some type of feelings involved with it
1: I also think that it's comedy landed very well. Oh, hell I, yeah. This one was so um. funny. Okay, then. Who's left to report out their root?
0: Andre? Shit, Miss Mary. I ain't the only one that got no root. Andre, we don't use profanity or double negatives here at True Directions. Okay, who's next? Megan.
1: Well, I've really been thinking, but I just can't think of anything. I think our little prom queen is too afraid to disclose. Oh, really? What's your root, Graham? We're working on your issue here, not mine. You're deflecting. Actually, I think it might be a great idea for Megan to be reminded of your root, Graham. My mother got married in pants.
0: All right, let's see. Uh, Dolph. (sighs) Too many locker room showers in the varsity team. Hillary?
1: Um, old girl boarding school. Shanae. I was born in France. Clayton. My mom let me play in her pumps. I like balls. Boy, thank you for that, Joe. <clears throat> Joe? Traumatic
0: bris. So, yeah.
1: RuPaul, especially, I feel, is just. <laughs> Every scene he's in, he's like, I want the gold medal of comedy, (laughs) please. Yes. But even like the the collection of gay guys. Yeah. At one point, um, I don't remember any of the character names because I'm garbage. But the the girl who the main character is into. Yeah. Says that she has a crush on one of the boys. And the way that he like, he doesn't light up is like, oh, my God. He lights up like, thank you. Like, because by, like, you having a crush on me, I am also protected.
0: Graham, yeah.
1: I also just love that their idea of, like, female friendship is women in matching lingerie <laughs> being pals.
0: I mean, that's, that's normal, isn't it?
1: Just just gals being pals and are matching lavender corsets and thongs. And gal just, pals. just gal pals on a slightly deeper level. I really like that the gay couple is the only couple that's like shown as having good communication (laughs) and like valuing each other's input and taking time to be respectful of each other's feelings. Because I think that those are things that you take for granted in a relationship sometimes and having it kind of thrown back in your face that like, look look at all the straights and like, they're not doing it. But like this gay couple, where one of them is four foot and one of them is six foot, and they sneak these queer kids out of this camp to make sure that they feel loved and supported, and they adopt a bunch of them and, yeah. like, basically run a halfway house for kids who are half out of the closet. Yeah. Are modeling the best relationship behavior of anybody in the whole damn movie. And
0: the comedy is so good in this that if you don't really have kind of context for like what real like what queer people in real life sort of struggle with like you don't even kind of maybe even register that those type of households and families are needed for queer protection
1: Mm -hmm.
0: like the queer couple you're talking about like the the husbands Mm -hmm. like and how i saw your review and how you know they (laughs) communicate like the effective communication that they have where they actually talk about what their feelings are and they actually try to work through and process it Like literally no straight person in this movie is doing that. A lot of straight people have problems doing that. And so that was kind of one of those touches that was really, really good in this movie. I really appreciate it a lot.
1: And I also just feel like a lot of the director says like she doesn't touch on any like gender stuff at all. Like, you know, she's like now that like, by well, first of all, there are no bisexual people in this movie. And I did notice that. I won't say that makes it dated necessarily because like my take was just that like, uh, I don't know, like the bi, the bi people weren't as obvious because they might pass as straight. Yeah. So they didn't get, they didn't get camped.
0: Yeah. So I that mean, was just
1: kind of my take, but.
0: Especially like even in the context of how like bi people are treated now and how in a lot of ways it's not really good. It was even worse in 99. So I think if, if she, maybe put that into this movie. I think that may have bogged it down a bit too mm-hmm. much. Um I agree. Because that's a whole different lane that if they kind of would have tackled, it would have been, it would have been a bit messier. But
1: I also love the idea that she's trying to find the most attractive girl in the program to hopefully turn her son straight.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Like there's a lot of dumb touches like that, that really make this movie like, land i kind of like the idea that her son has been through this program like 20 times and he just she's convinced he hasn't found the right like lesbian yet yeah like there are so many smart choices in this movie yeah the one thing that i will say and this is really the only thing that that threw me off at all but it's kind of a big one is that we never see her have a close relationship with her parents or have her parents treat her well. So when they say, like, don't come home, I'm like, yeah, no, don't go home. Like, that to me did not feel like an act of, like, consequence or loss. So when she was, like, sad about it, I was like, girl, like... Well, I mean... We as audience members have not seen them do anything except treat her poorly. So it didn't land as well to me as, like, a consequence... And they tried to frame it as, like, this big sad thing.
0: You got to keep in mind, also, this was, like, a girl who, if you would have asked her five weeks before, you know, the the end of the movie, she would have said her family and her friend structure was great. She got kind of confronted by this out of nowhere, then stripped away from her home and her friends and the only thing that she ever really knew. And, you know, she's 17, and so... I've been very fortunate enough to where, you know, I've never been in a situation to where I would have been kicked out from my family or my home. And so every young kids, especially like that would be traumatic. So mm-hmm. e- even even though from the outside in, we know her parents are shitty. We know she should be living with the two husbands, obviously. And but, Dante Bosco. <laughs> but, but, you know, the... From their perspective, like you know, if I was in her shoes, I I would not necessarily immediately kind of accept that. Especially because in the beginning, she's trying to work the program, but then mm-hmm. she ultimately figures out that this is this is a woman, well, I'm a girl, woman that I love, and you know, my love for her is so great that I want to put my past on the line, or yeah. my family on the line.
1: That's really my only like complaint with this movie, though. I won't say it's not a big one because it is, but, like, I think it only bugs me because, like, as an audience member, I'm like, you should, like, come on. It's like the horror
0: movie when you say, don't go in there, and then yeah. they go in there and they die. So, no, I get yeah. what you're saying. I get the point.
1: Yeah. And I think because she's the main character, it's just a little bit more, like, pronounced as, like, oh, come on. And then maybe that kind of bogs it down,
0: too, because, like, now not only she has this relationship when she's fallen in love, the sequel to this would then be her living her life without her parents. Oh, no. The sequel to this is, did you see in the credits to where, and the funny thing is, I, I've i been watching this movie for 20 years. I only saw this in this rewatch. In the credits, the her parents go to a, my kid is queer sort of yes. thing. I never noticed that until like two days ago. I never saw that. So, the second part of the movie is then her being part two of this movie is her now being a lesbian and now trying to deal with the real world. And I think that's when those kind of emotions are like, well, I'm not healthy saying if we're going to be trash. So,
1: yeah. I also think that I'm not sure exactly like how to say this, but like part of the thing that I think really lands about this movie is that it exists in this kind of hyper, it's almost like drag. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it really lands because it's kind of hype yeah very big but its heart is also very big yeah I think it would be really difficult for you as an audience member to leave this movie and still be like but like I hate the gays
0: like uh, well don't underestimate I'm sure I'm sure <laughs> well no
1: listen I fully am aware that like a lot of people can will and do but yeah. if you're you know not deliberately a hateful bitch, and just kind of had hate thrust upon you. Yeah, I think that this would be a big help in helping you see these people as people. Yeah, I really liked this movie. I liked the aesthetics of like the girls wear the pinks and the the blue, like the pinks and the purples and the greens, and the boys wear blue. Yeah, they have one option; it's
0: blue. The boys throw on a football, which if we're going to be very honest about what football is, there's a lot of home eroticism that can and be And they fix cars. And they, 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 they layer on their back and they handle tools to fix cars with, you know, legs spread open and their packages dangling in the air. So, <laughs> like,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, duh. Yeah,
0: yeah, duh. Oh, man, yeah. They, the, the balancing of the campiness and the humor it is really balanced with these two women falling in love and not only and and also even in them falling in love it's still grounded in the reality of Graham even though she does she loves Megan Graham is still fearful of her parents Mm -hmm. like her parents are super toxic and she's still scared of that so I think in the end, when they finally do decide to leave together, that situation is permanently broken, but it still feels weighted in a reality of how plenty of queer people have chosen their partners over their families and that relationship permanently or temporarily fractured. So Mm -hmm. it's all authentic, even in the campiness, it's still all authentic. Oh my God. I'm watching this now. They just got to the cocksucker. (laughs) the big ass rooster in front of them yes oh my god i wonder what kind of bar this is oh man this shit is funny bro this movie's mad funny so i had this 18 on my top 25 teen movies on my 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 power 50 of just romantic slash rom-coms i have but i'm a at 23 like mm-hmm. It's really, really good, man. Um, If anyone has not watched this before, it's on Tubi for free. Got a couple of ads, whatever, but you can kind of catch it for free. It's really good. What makes me want to get close to someone and snuggle? Fear. Salutations. I'm Melisette, and on A Frightful Fret with Melisette, I read classic horror stories combining audiobooks and audio drama into a podcast. Come away with me into the darkness and let me make your ears tingle with a sensation of terror. A Frightful Fret with Melisette. Available everywhere podcasts are and find us at our frightfulfret.net. Don't forget. For me, my favorite teen movie of all time is 10 Things I Hate About You. But when I watched Booksmart, oh my God, I may have to put Booksmart number one. But I just think that the execution of Tending The Hand About You is still so on point. It's Mm -hmm. still pretty smart and still really funny. And it does make me nostalgic for that era.
1: And that has letters to Cleo as the band. And don't just think you can Also from Boston.
0: I mean, ska's not just not just Ga- Scars. Scars from Boston.
1: <laughs> it's Scosten. Oh, um, oh
0: my god. That may be the episode title, Scoston. It's my favorite just for One, the characters in it, seeing all these kind of young people just sort of, you kind of grew up with at the time, like particularly fucking this younger sister, fucking, she was Alex Mack on the secret world of Alex Mack. And it's one thing to kind of watch Alex Mack and be like a, like a young ass kid, but then kind of growing up and then seeing her and like this wild ass, not necessarily wild movie, but this funny ass teen movie, I've always, always thought. That was, like, really kind of cool in a sense. I don't know specifically what she kind of uh, wanted to get into, like, as far as, like, her career and stuff. But she did, like, Secret Alex Max, She did Babies is a Club movie, which I love. And she did Some Things I Hate About You. And that was basically, like, us. I guess her kind of popularity, like, in the 90s. Uh, Larissa Olenek is her real name. So. Mm-hmm. It's not only that, but also Joseph Gordon Levitt, um, him just sort of floating around, just the 90s of between Roseanne, him being mad young Roseanne. Him being in uh, Thirty Rock from the Sun, and then him pivoting to this movie, mm-hmm. it was really, really interesting. Julia Stiles, Heath Ledger, even, <laughs> even the asshole Joey, and him just floating around like mad '90s movies. He was in Camp Nowhere, which I was one of my favorite movies of all time. You know, just kind of the aesthetics of these random '90s teen actors, early '20s actors. Mm -hmm. And then kind of converging on this one movie really formed like Voltron for me. So, and then also Gabrielle Union. How could we forget Gabrielle Union? She is great
1: in that movie as a reprehensible person.
0: (laughs) She didn't give any fucks in that movie. It was so good.
1: So, what I like about that movie, this is so bad, is kind of the opposite of that. I like all the adult character actors.
0: Oh, no, they're great as well. Yes.
1: Oh, I'm I'm a big Allison Janney person. So, Cameron, here you go. Nine schools in ten years. My, my. Army brat?
0: Yeah, my my dad is,
1: uh... That's enough. I'm sure you won't find Padua any different than your old schools. Same little ass-wipe. Shit for brains everywhere. (laughs) Excuse me? Did you just say, am I in the right office? Not anymore, you're not. I've got deviants to see and a novel to finish. Now, scoot. Scoot! Okay. <clears throat> Thanks. Patrick Verona. I see we're making our visits a weekly ritual. Only so we can have these moments together. Should I, uh, hit the lights? Oh, very clever kangaroo boy. It says here you exposed yourself in the cafeteria.
0: I was joking with the lunch lady. It was a bratwurst.
1: Bratwurst? Aren't we the optimist? Next time, keep it in your pouch. Okay. Good. I love that she's just like writing very aggressive smut fiction in between her in her, her advisory appointments yes.
0: and even the excellence of that. Like you really don't really feel until you're out of high school and you're just yeah. watching it like third hand, basically. Like she was really excellent, really, really excellent.
1: I thought there was a lot of really good moments in here. And there were a lot of things that made me laugh. And there were a lot of things that made me like roll my eyes, but in the like, oh my God way, not in the, like, oh no way. Although there were a couple, oh no's, but fortunately they weren't, weren't as bad as they could have been. I'll be honest. I was like clenched, like a shotgun ready to go off the entire time that they were in the car together after she was drunk and concussed. Oh no. <laughs> I was like, when's the bad thing going to happen?
0: Oh, you no. know the
1: bad thing is going to happen and that's why they're going to fight.
0: Oh no. <laughs> I mean, it turned out the bad thing was actually probably the thing that everyone should be doing. So Right, the
1: the bad thing was that she mistook his like Austin Powers like darling you're drunk and it's just not right yeah. as like he's just not that into you, which it wasn't. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, adorable. What a good boy. <laughs> I just wanna give him a high five and tell him to keep up the good work. Uh, he learned French from a book with a hole drilled in it just to like get in this girl's underwear. And you know what? You go Glenn Coco, you, you slay in the game. Were we supposed to hate Kat? Like as the audience, were we supposed to think she was a heinous bitch?
0: Okay then, what did everyone think of The Sun Also Rises? I loved it. He's so romantic.
1: Romantic? Hemingway? He was an abusive, alcoholic misogynist who squandered half his life hanging around Picasso trying to nail his leftovers.
0: As opposed to a bitter, self-righteous hag who has no friends? (laughs) (laughs) Pipe down, Chachi!
1: I guess in this society, being male and an asshole makes you worthy of our time. What about Sylvia Plath or Charlotte Bronte or Simone de Beauvoir? What did I miss? The oppressive patriarchal values that dictate our education. Good. Hey, hey! Uh, Mr.
0: Morgan, is there any chance we could get Kat to take her mitol before she comes to class? (laughs) Someday you're going to get bitch slapped, and I'm not going to do a thing to stop it. And Kat, I want to thank you for your point of view. I know how difficult it must be for you to overcome all those years of upper-middle-class suburban oppression. Must be tough. (sighs) Of the time, yes and no. I would say of the time especially this kind of idea of what feminism was then how it was misinterpreted how aggressive women were very off-putting in that respect she was supposed to come off as unlikable and even when he describes her obviously this from Tame of the Shrew but when he describes her as a shrew the audience reaction isn't wow why would you call her that like no the audience reaction is programmed to be well yeah she doesn't give a fuck about none of you people she has one friend and the rest of you guys can really fuck yourselves and, and the only reason i say is yes and no is because no is because we know that she's a main character and all these stories the main character there has to be something that is kind of likable about her in some just default way but i kind of get the point of kind of getting that even when the teacher kind of and her well teacher, that teacher
1: is way out of line
0: I mean that, that that's the thing though the, the, the teacher is scolding fucking everybody and in some ways it's justified in some ways it's not really and so even the scene when he kind of dismisses her um her protests as just a suburban upper middle class white person it has some merits and in a lot of ways it doesn't like but- her
1: he punishes her when she's like giving a compliment later on.
0: Yeah. He doesn't accept it. Yeah. So that's another scene. Yeah.
1: And, and he keeps saying like, he wants that other kid to get smacked, but when he's being fucking abysmally horrible, he doesn't do anything to him.
0: Granted, I mean, he dresses him down, but it's not in the same way as hers. Yeah.
1: Right, like she actually wants to do well. she wants to go to Sarah Lawrence. It's a good college. I tried to get in there.
0: but that's the, actually that's the thing to your point, to your question. Is she meant to be likable? He is so the teacher is so put off by her not questioning authority he can't accept it. so yeah. so yeah, so just by default, and I guess it's it's more yes than no, but yeah, by default, we're not to we're not meant to like cats it's problematic. It's problematic. It is. Well,
1: I won't even say that it's problematic because, like, whatever. But, like, that was not my lived experience at all all as an adult. (laughs) Like, I was like, she's right. Why is nobody listening to her? And then you find out that, like, she's a freaking victim of a shitty partner. And, like, yeah, I would also want to just, like, go have a life with my friends and fuck what everybody told me my whole life. That's what I do. Like, (laughs)
0: but I mean that and that's in part just a misreading of what feminism and women who engage in it actively that's sort of the misreading of what it was back in the the 90s and not even just the late 90s like I mean shit I mean even in a lot of ways Sylvia Plath died
1: Sylvia Plath died because people were misreading how she chose to engage with the world as like feminist nonsense when in reality she was like a victim of abuse who just wanted to be like heard and validated yeah and taken seriously as like a person with like depression and issues yeah this is not a new concept which is why i thought cat reading sylvia plath was such a nice like thing like a nice touch yeah and also at the time sarah lawrence i think was an all-girls college so
0: um, maybe, but I knew the reading that that's, they were implying something along the lines of, uh, of course, the feminists would want to go to Sarah Lawrence, something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: They could have been a little more on the nose if they had said Smith, but of course she'd want to go to the lesbian school that Sylvia Plath also went to. So that was like, my big issue with the movie was that from the jump, I liked Kat the most and the idea that she needed to be like taken in, in some way, really bugged me
0: what do you mean by taking in the
1: the idea that she needs like like basically the thesis of the movie seems to be and not like the movie but like the narrative that is presented by the high school kids is like if she gets if she gets piped down you know if she gets dick down she'll she'll calm down yeah and like yike
0: (laughs) but in a lot of ways even kind of thinking about that If you don't like Kat, that just reveals just biases within yourself. Because there was never a point where I, in particular, like when you ask the question, is the audience supposed to like her or not? I think generally speaking, they're supposed to be put off by her. For someone like me, like I didn't dislike her. Like I thought that everything that she was kind of going through, especially being posed against Joey in her class Like, yeah, like, Mm -hmm. you had a right to not fuck with these people at all. Mm -hmm. And taming her in a sense, you're right, it does sort of, it does soften her up a bit. Like, by the end of the movie, like, you should be fully in love with her in the same way that...
1: Except for me, the thing that happened is that she trusted somebody and let them into her inner circle for the first time since that boy hurt her. And that's what softener so that somebody wasn't reading her as like cat the bitch
0: yeah
1: it was someone who was just trying to get to know her and then he winds up hurting her as well and like it's just kind of magically fixed (laughs) and
0: by buying a guitar
1: yeah and like i guess like uh, this i i get it because like he did hurt her but he did seem very sincere when he said like basically I just took the money to take this guy for a ride like yeah I kind of get that but like I saw like I could see where the narrative was going which is fine like that's usually how these types of movies work and he was charming enough to pull it off like at no point was I like oh my god like no don't listen to him girl and I was like no like he's trying he's real bad but he's trying yeah which i think says a lot about heath ledger's performance honestly
0: oh yeah definitely
1: i, I mean, love this... the when they're walking back from their car after going to that like paint balloon place and they're swapping rumors and truths yeah about themselves i know a lot of this is heightened because like teen drama but like when she has that moment with the sister
0: yeah in the bedroom
1: yeah and then they have the opposite of that moment the next morning where she's sitting in the windowsill and she yeah. invites her on the boat with them. That relationship growing was really the relationship that I was like, okay, like they they figured it out. It's going to be okay. I
0: mean, because yeah, it started with Kat at least allowing, going to the prom, allowing her to have that freedom, which she just wants. It's funny, like in this movie, she's actually kind of the clueless character like she is at least in the beginning poses vapid poses shallow Mm -hmm. and then all she's really wants is just the freedom to to do herself
1: it's it's not even that that's all she wants i think all that she wants is for her sister to treat her like a sister like yeah it, it strikes a lot like uh like gamora and nebula where it was like i never wanted to win all i wanted was a sister yeah, I really I liked that.
0: Yeah, it was good. It was really, um, it was really, really kind of thoughtful relationship on how sibling dynamics can
1: mm-hmm. be
0: very aggressive, but then in the end, you know, hopefully, like it's still very soft at the end.
1: But also, even the moment where the dad was like, "You didn't change your mind about Sarah Lawrence, did you?" I already wrote him a check. Is like
0: that was a that was a very cute scene.
1: But it, you see, as the movie goes on, him starting to kind of. Melt. Yeah. And none of these things feel really unrealistic. Like they're heightened, I would say, because again, teen drama, but like they're not fake.
0: Of the characters, who's your favorite character in this? I got to go with Heath Ledger man. He did like become like a star because of this movie. And he had like the Patriot with, you know, Barfalicious face. But it was actually a combination like the Patriot and this movie that. Uh, and oh my god Dark Knight but Brokeback Mountain and all that shit like he was oh man he was talented he was talented and he was destined to be like one of the best actors of his generation I mean fuck he was already that to be very honest but he would have he would have went to like higher heights than what he reached which is kind of crazy to even think about but you know his passing was really really tragic
1: If you're planning on asking me out again, you might as well just get it over with. Do you mind? You're kind of ruining this for me. You're not surrounded by your usual of smoke. I know, I quit. Apparently they're bad for you. You think? You know, these guys are no bikini killer, the raincoats. They're not bad. You know who the raincoats are. Why, don't you? I was watching you out there before. I've never seen you look so sexy. Come to Bogey's party with me. You never give up, do you? Was that a yes? No! Well then, was that a no? No! I'll see you at 9.30 then
0: joseph gordon levitt i feel i i feel like i identify with him more than any other character in this movie just for the fact that like he's just trying to desperately make it happen with this girl mm-hmm. even by faking until he makes it and then he eventually makes it and i was very happy he got, he got pulled off but yeah well favorite character.
1: no i think i think it was also heath ledger because he had clearly put up a lot of walls because he was he was also tired of being talked about yeah my favorite thing in that movie is just the chemistry between the two of them. The idea that both of them are so composed and guarded, but both of them kind of let the other one see their kind of gooey center. Yeah. Is really what I like about this movie. And you see it to some extent with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and the sister as well. But like, obviously they're not like the middle, like they're not the the central storyline. I love that. They're like, you got to do something like she's real mad. (laughs) How are you going to do? Look, what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to pay the marching band <laughs> and I'm going to throw oh, down.
0: That was so iconic, man. That scene so iconic.
1: He starts to like her so much that the idea of putting his reputation on the line for her, it ain't shit. Like, that's that's what makes me giggle. And that's what makes me want them to succeed. And that's what makes me like the movie. I'm like, don't get me wrong. I like the kid who wound up playing Bernard in the Santa Claus movies going down the bike like, the hill on that bike. But, like, <laughs> that wasn't what made me, like, love the movie.
0: It's so funny. I was thinking about Julia Styles went from dancing on dining room table to hypnotize to save the last dance. <laughs> what, <laughs> what a foreshadow. This movie had it, man. This movie definitely had it. I think the biggest reason that I don't put book smart above it is... I watch Booksmart as, you know, a 30-plus-year-old man. You know, I have an idea what the generation is, but I'm obviously not not living it with them. So even though you can kind of see similarities in, in, honestly, like, everyone, like, you can see similarities in different people's childhoods, it's a bit different watching it now versus in 99, like, I was an eighth grader and I was transitioning to high school in a year mm-hmm and the experience that they were all going to have like those are stuff i wanted to have or i would have and so watching book smart it's kind of rooting for them to succeed and then laughing and thinking everything is like really good and really pulled off but it's another thing to kind of be transported back to what that time actually was and to kind of feel the same things that they were feeling at that moment in time so the nostalgic aspect of it it does kind of took the scales for me but i still think both movies are super well made and super funny but i get the edge to 10 things
1: i think if we're if we're naming my like king of all the teen movies i'm still giving it to ferris wheeler's day off wow okay because i think for me that is that movie is very similar to what 10 things i hate about you is for me okay I saw that movie for the first time like right before I went to high school and I at the time I was so convinced that I was a Cameron. <laughs> People only invited me places because you know I had the car or because you know like oh. I would round out the, the group or what like I was never anybody's kind of choice and I enjoyed growing into a Ferris. Um, <laughs> and I also think Every time I watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I've found a different thing that I enjoy very much.
0: Yeah. And I do
1: have some nostalgia for that movie, even though it's quite a bit older than me.
0: But, I mean, even that, like, even the idea of growing with art. So, I'm assuming you watched this when you were 14, 15. So, like, you know, you had a decade to live with Ferris and now you watch it as an adult and you extrapolate a bit more from it than when you first watched it and like i said like these are movies that obviously clueless is like 25 years 26 years 10 things i hate about you but i'm a cheerleader it's like literally like 21 years ago (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i first watched these movies which i'm getting old as fuck but (laughs) but i think enjoying art in that kind of way it's it just feels kind of special and so i think that's the biggest reason why i picked all these movies for this month because i think i'm someone that definitely likes to extrapolate and analyze stuff obviously that's the point of this podcast but you know i think this is kind of a a a treat to at least look at things that held some sort of positivity and nothing necessarily too overly grandiose or dramatic but at the same time still feeling a lot of feelings of love and lust and wonder and excitement and worry and all the other shit that makes movies and the human condition so good yeah but when we discuss scorsese y'all is going out the window (laughs) i'm sorry i want to know
1: We should do this again sometime.
0: This is is a hyphen podcast production.